Go to Romans 12, if you would, please. In Romans, the 12th chapter, we began a few weeks ago on this series we're calling The Perfect Will of God. In Romans 12, 1, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, um, this is two very different things. Being conformed are being transformed. Conforming has to do with like a mold that shapes like jello or you know you, you put the jello in there and then when it congeals it's the shape of the mold. Or you know we used to make popsicles. <laughs> right? I mean you made them at home. <laughs> You made what the Kool-Aid or whatever it was, and you poured in the thing. <laughs> I'm not alone in this, I said. And so, I mean, then you might have a star or whatever it is, you know, or whatever they made. But it was conformed to the mold. Well, there is a danger of us being conformed to the mold of the world. And acting just like unsaved people, thinking, talking, acting just like the unsaved. That will happen unless we make an effort to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we don't put any effort into getting our mind renewed, we will be conformed to this unbelieving world. It'll go that way. And you won't stand out, you'll fit in with all the unbelieving world, because most of the world is uh, unbelieving. So he said, but don't be conformed, but be transformed. How do you get transformed? That word is the word we get our word metamorphosis from. Like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, that means we will... uh, there will be a metamorphosis of Christ manifesting in us and, and through us, and we will blossom and bloom in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we will be very different from the world. How's this going to happen? By the renewing of our mind. Does your mind matter in these things? Oh my. It's the battleground. People talk about spiritual warfare, spiritual conflict. That's the battleground of the spiritual conflict. Renewing of your mind, and what's the result of your mind getting renewed? Well, you learn what the will of God is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. You know, how many can testify if you got saved a number of years ago and have been in the Word some, that your thinking has changed (laughs) from 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Your thinking has changed. Why? How did that happen? Well, the Word that you have heard and been under, been around, it got in you It changed the way you see things. It changed your thinking. It changed your perspective and your priorities. Well, that means your mind has been renewed to some degree from 10 years ago. You don't think like you used to. You don't see things like you used to. And and specifically, what are those things? Well, you find out. God doesn't think that way. That's not right. You find that, no, God didn't say that. He said this. 
No, that's not the will of God. This is the will of God. Come on, can you see that? That's how you got transformed. Is by finding out from his word, from his spirit, and in experience of walking with him, you have found out, and you're not done, but you have found out some things that were not the will of God and some things that are the will of God. So that you could test and prove and approve what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Tell me where the safest place on earth is. It's in the perfect will of God. Where's the happiest place on the planet? The most peaceful, the most fulfilling place. It's the perfect will of God. Where's the most dangerous place on earth? Out of God's will, right? Where's the most frustrating, miserable place on the planet? No joy, no peace. That's out of God's will is where that is. It's not just a geographic location. It's whether and how much you're in his will. Now, when it says good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word perfect means complete. Complete will of God. If there's a complete will of God, what else must there be? Incomplete. Which means if there's a perfect will of God, there's a partial. Partial will of God. And this I think many have not understood. It's obvious, you know, that if you don't care about the Lord and you don't care about his things and you're out of the will of God. But there are also many who are born again who are only partially in the will of God. Partially. And that, that means you're partially not in the will of God. Come on, can you see this? What, do you remember what Isaiah talked about? If you be willing and obedient, you'll what? Eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured. You'll be consumed. So if you want God's perfect will, we must do God's perfect will. If you ignore God's will and go off on your own thing, then you're on a path of your own making and that road will go through places God never intended for you to go. To go through the right places, you got to be on the right road. You get off the right road, you get on the wrong road, you wind up going through some places where you could get in trouble and you really should have never even been there. And what's frustrating is people blame God for it. They ignore his direction and they do things on their own and they have problems, sometimes terrible problems, and then say, God, why did you put this off on me? You almost want to do this, pow, pow. (laughs) Wash your mouth out with soap. What do you mean, why did God put this off on you? Why didn't you listen to God? Is the question. Why didn't you listen to him? (laughs) Go with me, if you would, to Proverbs, the third chapter. So much in this wonderfully big subject. And I know the Lord gave us some good things here for this morning. We're already getting into them. This is going to help you out. I've already eaten a couple of bowls of this myself, so I know it's good, good stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to feed you anything that I wouldn't eat. So, Proverbs 3 and 5. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding." The Lord doesn't lead us through our intellect. I said the Lord doesn't lead us through our intellect. He leads us through our heart. Your heart is not your head. You know, uh, 
it's amazing to me to see the, uh, the, the routes, like when the geese fly south, you know, and the, the animals sometimes, I mean, little hummingbirds will travel 2,000 miles and wind up at the very same place, and, and they got no GPS. <laughs> and they got no road map. How do they do that? They are not thinking their way through it. They're not analyzing everything. As they're flying along, they just have a sense inside, make a course correction of three degrees. Now, those are my words. They don't think like that. They just have an inclination to go right a little bit because the wind's blowing them. And over a thousand miles, two thousand miles, some of them five thousand miles, they wind up within a few feet of where they were years ago. It's astounding. But it's not head led. It's directed. See, God, the reason I say that is because the God who made them made you too. He made us too. And the most accurate way to follow and be directed is not through your head. It's through your heart. The reason being, we don't have enough information in our head. I don't care how much you learn about it, it will not be enough. For one reason, you don't know the future. Where are you going to get that info from? You don't know enough to make the perfect decision about everything. But there's someone who's inside you, who knows, who knows, who even knows the end from the beginning. And he will prompt you, go this way. And your head may go, why? And he said, I said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, follow your heart, don't lean. To your own understanding. Now we're still talking about the will of God. And what we're beginning to answer is. How do I find the will of God? How do I find God's will for me? Well there's a number of things. That we've said about it. And we'll continue to say. But I'll say it like this. It's not complicated. It's not. If you think so, you've been thinking wrong. And like we said, one of the big uh, lies and, and errors is people believing that the will of God is so mystical that you can't understand it. Well, he told me in Ephesians 5, redeem the time, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, he told me he wants me to understand it. How can I be expected to find and do the will of God if I can't understand it? No, that's wrong. He's not making this hard. I said he's not making this hard. The enemy's trying to confuse you about it. But God's not making it hard. He's not. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. So you want to get it clear what part of your being you're being led through. And it's not your head. Somebody say, not my head. head. The Lord's not leading me me. through my head. head. He leads me how? Through my heart. The Spirit of God, Romans 8 says, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if he could let you know you're a child of God by his spirit in your heart, he could let you know other things by the same way. Verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Read this out loud with me. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Say it two more times. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall 
direct your path. If he's directing your path and you're following him in that path, are you in the will of God? Yeah, you are. What did it start with, though? You, I, acknowledged him first. That's how it started. That's how we, we got the direction and got on the path, is we acknowledged him. Somebody say, acknowledge him. Now, when are you supposed to do this? In what areas? In the big things of life. <laughs> Certainly, but not just. In the semi-important things of life. Absolutely, but not just. Even in the small things of life. Do what? Do what? Do what? Now, what would be the opposite of acknowledging him? Not checking not asking, not looking. Come on, can you see this? Do you reckon this has been a big issue? Do you suppose there's a lot of Christians who don't check, don't ask, don't check? And that's a problem. Look in James, please, the fourth chapter. James 4 and the last verse. James 4 and 17, the last verse, it says, Therefore to him that knows to do good, and does it not, to him it is sin. A lot of folks that have been around church and the Bible, they, they've heard this verse. But let's back up and get the context. What was he talking about when he said that? In verse 13, I'm going to read this in the Amplified, if we can put that up there, Amplified verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a city and spend a year there and carry on our business and make money. Yet you do not know about what may happen tomorrow. What is the nature of your life? You're really but a wisp of vapor, a puff of smoke, a mist that's visible for a little while and then disappears into thin air. You ought instead to say, come on, did you hear that? The Bible says you you should say this. What should you say? If the Lord is willing, we shall live and we shall do this or that, but as it is, you boast in your presumption and self-conceit. All such boasting is wrong. So any person who knows what is right to do but does not do it, to him it's sin. What he was saying that about was being presumptuous and not asking. Making your plans, even long-term plans. We're going to do this and we're going to go over here and we'll do this for 12 months, for a year. And uh, we're expecting, uh, these are our projections, and we're expecting this X amount of income and profit. And the Spirit of God said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Time out here, bro. You forgot what your life is. You're acting like you're going to live down here forever. Your entire life of your hundred years, the Lord sustaining you, most people don't make it that long. 100, 120, 90, 80, whatever you do, it's like a mist. You see a little wisp of mist and then you forgot about it and got to doing something and you turn around and go, where is that mist at? It's gone. And that's what folks may say about you. Where are they? Where are they? <laughs> they left. They're gone. Why talk about that? Because it makes it all the more important what we do with our time. Yes, sir. That we don't make random man plans and use up huge blocks of our tiny little wisp of lifetime. 
that the Lord didn't tell us to do. We didn't get it from him. It was a plan that we came up with or somebody else came up with or the company came up with or the government came up with and nobody asked the Lord. How do you find the will of God? You ask him. Is everybody awake? Somebody say, you ask him. You ask him. When do you ask him? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Phyllis and I talk about this often. This is a huge part of our lives. You know, we travel quite a bit, and we got all kind of decisions to make all the time. And you know what we're doing continually, continually, continually? We are checking, we are checking. We are checking, we're asking, Lord, what about this? Lord, what about that? And, and we know it's his will to show you. If you ask him for wisdom, what does the scripture say? He'll give it to you, but you got to ask in faith, right? Well, wisdom includes knowledge of his will and what to do. But you have not. That's the beginning, verse 2, of this same chapter, James 4. You have not because you, you didn't ask. And can you see these folks, they made their plans and they didn't ask. And he said, you ought to say, if the Lord will, will we shall do this or that. Well, now in our circles, people don't like that phrase. If the Lord will. <laughs> well, you better like it because it's Bible, brother. And you better make an adjustment. You don't say if it be thy will when he has told you what his will is. But if you don't know his will on a thing, you don't just fill in the blank off the top of your head. Right? And so we need to, we need to keep that in front of us. Well, what are we going to do? Well, first thing we're going to do is ask the Lord. What to do. And, and if it's his will to do this. Or if it's his will to do that. Now once he tells you what his will is. Stop praying if it be thy will about that. But it's not wrong to use the phrase. If it be his will. And we need to continue to remind ourselves. That we don't know. What his will is on some of these particulars. And, and specifics in our life. Unless and until we've heard from him. Then we know. Then we know. We don't go till we know. Go with me. Actually, uh, go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, the 13th chapter, and then we're going to be looking at a couple of verses over here. The Bible said something about David that is an endearing term and something that should mean something to us. When Saul, you know, rebelled against God, wouldn't obey him, wouldn't listen to him, wouldn't do his will, then the Lord replaced him with David. And before he, he did that, he said in 1 Samuel 13, he said, the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded you. Talking to Saul. A man after his own heart. Now I've heard a number of folks say a number of things about what they thought that meant. But great thing about the Bible, you don't have to wonder. Look at the verses that talk about it. It'll tell you. In Acts, the 13th chapter, Acts 13, 22. Hold your place in 1 Samuel. We, we got much more to see there. Acts 13, 22. 
He said, when he had removed him, Saul, he raised up to them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony. God did. He said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And in the Holy Spirit tells you what that means. What does it mean to be a person, a man or woman, after God's own heart? Which shall fulfill all my will. That's what it means. To be a man or woman after God's own heart means you are a man or a woman who wants to do what he wants. You want to do his will. You want to please him. You want to accomplish his plan and purposes and will. But before you can do the will of God, you got to find the will of God. Don't you? You got to find out. What is it? What am I supposed to do? How many think, what's a good idea if you're wanting to know, what should I do? Yes, this is not hard. If you want to know what the Lord wants you to do about a specific thing, tell me what you should immediately do. Ask him. And another way of saying that is inquire of the Lord, which David did continually. Have you read it? This was a habitual practice of David's that he would inquire of the Lord. Notice in 1 Samuel 23. 1 Samuel 23. Said out loud, this is getting in me. The word is getting in me. I am one after God's own heart that seeks to do his will. All his will. Hallelujah. You're a man or a woman after God's own heart. Why? You want to do his will. You're not stubborn. You want to do his will. In 1 Samuel 23 and 1. 23, 1. They told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. Man, those Philistines were always causing trouble. <laughs> Any Philistines around today? Oh, man. There, there will always be Philistines. And as long as there are those troublemaking Philistines, what do we need? We need to know what to do about it. We need to know what to do about whatever trick the Philistines are trying to pull off today. And they told David, they said, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, this town, this village, and they're robbing the threshing floors. Well, this is serious business because they're stealing the crops. Uh, That means some people might not make it through the winter. This is serious stuff. And so verse 2, so what did David do? Help me out, help me out. David did what? David said, that's not right. And I'm going mop the floor with them Philistines. Uh Uh-uh. No. Pride presumes. Humility asks. I said, pride presumes and assumes. So how many people would not have done this? Would not have inquired of the Lord. Why? Well, it's the Philistines. Everybody knows you need to go fight them. Everybody knows we need to stop these, uh, stop what they're doing over there in Keilah and help these folks at Keilah. Everybody knows that that's reasoning. That's being led by your head. And that's how you miss God. Well, yeah, but everybody knows you're not listening. You're not the only one God can use to help Keilah. And even if he is going to use you, you need to find out how. See, assuming I got this, I've been to school. And by this point, David could even say he has battlefield experience. He has been in all kind of battles and fights. He has experienced the glory of God in victories 
And he has tangled with the Philistines many times before. And so you got to watch about saying, hey, I'm going to do what I did the last 40 times. No need to pray about this. That's how you miss God. But what did David do? David inquired of the Lord. He said, shall I go and smite these Philistines? Oh, friends, are you listening? This is humility. This is acting like you don't know it all. This is acting like you can't do it without his help. This is acting like you're not your own Lord. You're not in charge. You go to him. You ask somebody to say, in all your ways. Acknowledge him. What's the result? He shall direct your paths. And that's what happened with David. His paths were directed of the Lord. And again and again, he was at the right place at the right time with the right thing and the right word. And the scripture said everywhere he went, God gave him victory. Why? Because he's asking the Lord all the time about what to do and where to go. He's not just doing things randomly or because it's obvious. So he inquired of the Lord, shall I go smite these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. Now, it's not just a good idea. You're on a mission from God. Oh, come on, can you see this? And man, if the Lord's with you, it's his idea who can be against you. Did he hear from the Lord? Does he now know the will of God for this situation? Why? Because he asked. He asked. He inquired of the Lord. And David's men said to him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then uh, we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? They said, You got to be joking. Everybody's shaking here, just trying to stay hid. You're going to go down there and expose yourself and take these guys home? And so what did David do? Verse 4. Formed a committee. (laughs) Studied the demographics some more. No. David inquired of the Lord yet again. again. It's fine to make sure. Right? Right? It's fine to make sure. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise and go down to Keilah. Now this time he didn't just say, Yeah, he said, Go. Move. For I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. Hallelujah. Has he heard from God? Isn't that how you get faith? Isn't that how you get faith? Faith comes by hearing. So man, they got confidence. David's got confidence. He tells them. Hallelujah, verse 5. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines. And what do you think happened? How'd they come out? How'd they come out? Brought away their cows, smote them with a great slaughter, and David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. They saved the whole town. Whole town and village. From those nasty, mean Philistines. (laughs) Go to the 10th verse now. Tenth verse. What what you'll see is it says, David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. And then it'll say, David inquired yet again. David inquired yet again. Sometimes about the same thing. You, you, You can't be too clear on what the Lord's telling you to do. You can't be too clear. And you gotta watch about filling in the blanks. Getting what, but you didn't get when. Or how? Or with whom? You got to watch about you're getting part of it, but then, you know, just doing the rest ever how you think. Well, see, now you're just partially in the will of God. You're partially doing his will and partially yours. So what kind of outcome should you expect? Partially (laughs) blessed, right? Partial success. You want partial success or Full success, complete success, that's going to require you getting the perfect will of God or complete will of God. 
In the 10th verse, then said David, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah and destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant is heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech you, tell your servant. This is very specific, isn't it? Come on, put yourself in their, in their place. Saul has the might of the nation's armed forces. David had a ragtag bunch of folks that were in debt and running from problems and all this. Now they're turning into a, a real fighting machine, but they are running and hiding in caves and so they, they can't stay in any one place for too long. And so David inquires of the Lord. And he, he admits, I don't know what to do. One thing I, gotta, I need to know, what's going to happen? Is he going to come? Is he going to come? Attack? I've heard rumors, but he's asking the Lord, is this going to happen? And the Lord answered him and said, he will come down. Well, man, this... This is information you can't pay for. Right? This is information you cannot buy in the earth. When the Lord tells you he's coming, what do you know? Ain't no need in debating about whether he's going to come or not anymore. We need to make plans based on him coming. And then David said, here's another inquiry of the Lord. Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? Now, see, they had saved the city from the Philistines. And so now David and his bunch, man, they're popular. They're heroes at Keilah. I mean, they didn't have to pay for food and, and this kind of thing. And got free soda pop at the, at the store and... But, but David says, okay, but when Saul rolls in with the might of the nation's military, will Keilah, will they, will they give me up? And the Lord said, they will. They will deliver you. Well, then it's time to get out of Keilah. Is that right? <laughs> because your popularity is about to go out the window. And they're, they're going to get scared and they're going to turn you over to them. And so... Uh, we see over and over again where that uh, something was going on very specific and David didn't assume, but he asked. You remember when, when Ziklag, their town was burnt and all their family were taken and all the possessions. That's what he, he did in 1 Samuel 30 and 8. He inquired of the Lord and he said, shall I pursue after this troop? Will I overtake them? Because they're long gone. How could you even find them? How do you even know which way they went? And the Lord said, pursue, for you will surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And that word was strong enough to give them faith, to dry their eyes and to find some courage. And they did find it and win the battle and recover all. Everybody got all their family back. Oh, what a great victory. But can you trace it back to what? He asked the Lord. Can you see this? He inquired of the Lord. He asked the Lord. Look at 2 Samuel. Just a couple more of these. Everybody said out loud, David inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. Then it would say, he inquired again. <laughs> he inquired again. Sometimes about the same thing. He inquired again. In 2 Samuel... Two and one, it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord. He said, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. And David said, Where shall I go up? <laughs> and he said, Hebron. Can you see? You can stop at any point. Shall we go up to some of the cities? The Lord says, yes. Okay, pack your bags, guys. We're going to some, some cities. Which one? Oh, I didn't get that. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Lord, which, uh, which city should we go to? He said, Hebron. Well, why didn't he give him that the first time? 
He didn't ask. He didn't get Hebron until he asked where. He asked, shall we go? The Lord said, go. Then he said, where? Where shall we go? And the Lord said, Hebron. Now, what's he finding out? The will of God. He's getting details about the will of God for him and his men and his people at this juncture in their life. Is he actually hearing from God? He is. You can look at how it's turning out. It's obvious. In the fifth chapter, in the fifth chapter, I think this is the last one of these I'll give you today, but he he said, uh, 2 Samuel 5th chapter, 19th verse, David inquired of the Lord, because guess what had happened again? The Philistines had had come back. (laughs) Man, they are such a picture of the devil. (laughs) You know, you can beat them down, and that's great, but you know next week's a new week. Right? And, you know, you, you wish that you could get to the place where you never have any more trouble with the devil, but that's not this life. But thank God, the greater one's still in you. And you can still know the will of God if you will ask, acknowledge him. David inquired of the Lord. He said, shall I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? So he's getting better. He's asking two questions. (laughs) Come on, can you see that? (laughs) And we'll get better if we'll start learning. Right? That we not only need what, we need when. We need where. We need how. Shall I go up to the Philistines? Question one. Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up. For I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. Man, is that a word you can go to battle on? Is that a word you can stand and fight on? We win in this one. Because the Lord himself said doubtless. Doubtless. He's delivering them into our hand. And the Philistines, verse 22, they came up yet again. See? (laughs) Pesky Philistine. (laughs) You beat them and they come back. The Philistines came up yet again, and they spread themselves in the valley of Rephim. Lots of Philistines. And when David inquired, now if you look at uh, 1 Chronicles 14 about this same passage, it uses the phrase, he inquired again. When David inquired again of the Lord, he said, you shall not go up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. After years of Philistine fighting and success after success after success, doing what? You go up against them. This is traditional warfare, uh, one front against another front. And, you know, they clash in the middle and whoever does the best wins. After battle after battle after battle, David has not gotten to the place where he thinks he knows it all. And when the Philistines come up again, even though it's what, time 25? What does David do? Come on, help me out. What does he do? He asks. He inquires of the Lord. Is is he acknowledging the Lord in every situation? Is he looking to him, asking him? Hmm? And this is a good thing he did. Because this time the Lord said, no. No, you don't go up. You don't meet them head on. But you fetch a compass, that's a circle, behind them. You're going to attack them from behind today. This is something nobody had thought about doing except the Lord. Would David have ever gotten this if he hadn't asked? No. And and even though it looks like the same enemy tactic and it's the same enemy and it looks like the same situation that you've dealt with for the last 15 years, it could be very different than you think it is. And you wouldn't see it all and you wouldn't know it all, which is why we must ask. 
We must inquire of the Lord. So he said, you'll not go up, but you fetch a compass behind them. And you come up over against the mulberry trees. There was a grove of trees there. And let it be when you hear the sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees. Whoa, this is a different battle plan. This is something nobody's done before. Nobody's heard about this before. Not only are we not just going to face them head on, they're going to think we're running away, I guess, because we're going to retreat. We're going to go off to the side. They're going to lose us. We're going to pop up behind them. And then still we're not going to attack. We're waiting on something. What? Sound of wind in the tops of the trees. That's our cue. (laughs) Where'd you get all that? Where'd you get all that? Because you asked the Lord. You asked the Lord. You asked the Lord. And when you hear the sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you bestir yourself. And then the Lord is going out before you to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Jeba till you come to Gezer. Won the battle. Hallelujah. Put them down hard. Had a little bit longer break between Philistine attacks after that. Friends, we don't know enough. We don't have enough information in our minds, in our heads. We must not depend on our own understanding and just make decisions. We must not make our long-range plans. We're going to go here. We'll do this for a year, maybe two, and we'll reach these goals. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you ask the Lord? Did, did, you, did anybody stop and say, Lord, is this what we're supposed to do? And did you seek him until you heard from him? See, so much of, of Christian folks, they're making their plans. They're doing their things. They're not in the perfect will of God because they didn't even ask. And sadly, a lot of folks don't really want to know. They don't, they don't want their plans interrupted. They don't want them, they don't want to have to set aside what they had thought and wanted. But friend, it comes back to trusting God. Right? Do you really think your plan is better than his? Huh? That's being a great big dum-dum. Right? Do, do you really think your plan is better than his? You know better how to run your life than he does? Do you really think that? I want to hear somebody say, no, 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 I don't think that. I know better than that. Come on, everybody say it out loud. God is smarter than me. I trust his plan. I trust his plan. I want to know his plan. I seek his will. Hallelujah. Didn't Jesus say, ask, it'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be opened. To everyone that asks, it's given. Everyone that seeks, finds. To him that knocks, it shall be opened to you. But you've got to ask. You've got to look for it. How do you find the will of God? Ask him. Huh? Ask him. And then do what? Ask again. And get more detail. And get the rest of it. I know when we. I was thinking about when we uh, started the church. Both here and and in uh, uh, Sarasota. So many decisions. So many. You know you you don't hear most of them. We don't think it's. That we should go to all the details. Maybe sometimes we should give more. But you're praying every day. You're looking to the Lord. I know when we got down to uh, Sarasota, I mean, within an hour or so after we had had landed, we were sitting in the parking lot of the property that we now own. It was amazing. But yet they said it was sold. And from all appearances, was. And so we realized, well, we got to look somewhere else. And yet, we didn't. But 
We found another property some 10 miles away, much bigger property, quite a bit less money. Well, that must be God. (laughs) Much bigger property, lot less money, got to be God, right? You cannot ascertain the will of God by price. Oh, friends, come on. This is something we need to, we need to learn. Yes, sir. Yes. Now that doesn't mean that the will of God is always the most expensive thing either. I didn't say that. I said you can't ascertain it by price. Because that's your head, isn't it? Yes. That's being led by your head. And so we looked at that thing a bit and just didn't have a witness. We kept thinking about that other one. This soul. But see, that doesn't make sense. Because you can't have that one. Yeah, but every time we think about the right place, it's like those birds, you know, flying (laughs) on their route. They go to the right place, just internally guided. And um, we learned later, we didn't know anything about the areas, but we learned later that was a different county. And we found out some things that, that we would not have had favor there. And it was something that, and isn't that something we could have said, man, look, we saved $2 million and we got a bigger facility and missed God. <laughs> and had problem after problem, problem with permits. Pro- well, I thought God told us to go start a church there. Yeah, you missed it by 10 miles. Because you didn't continue to inquire of the Lord. You got to keep inquiring. You got you to inquire about the parking lots. And the sidewalks. Every day is a new day. And in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Ask him. Inquire of him. Seek. Look. Ask. You're looking for that witness. You're looking for his response. You're looking for him. For him. For him, for him. And when you get that, like like David got that word, go up, I'm with you. Hallelujah. Now some Philistines got trouble. (laughs) And God's will will be done. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.